Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. The Astros try to race towards another World Series appearance. The special teams unit member emeritus. I see you with that old Jeff Fish offense. NFL biggest hits. Looking at the Brett Favre and that welfare scandal, they should have a lot of kids in jail right now. I'm not saying I was shooting my shot, but I was doing that thing that I did back in those days. You would have to be a low-down, dirty, entitled person to do such a despicable thing. Who Quarterback controversy? Mm, I think not. You got the, the Rockets about to start. You got the Texans doing I don't know what. He was speeding, man. I saw him <laughs> just speeding, just doing reckless stuff. I think they're a couple years away from being a couple years away. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us for another full episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Shouts out to all of the people who are joining us for the very first time. We hope to become a part of your podcast menu. So like us, check us out, go back, listen to past episodes, and be a part of this thing. In addition to that, shouts out to all the folks who listen to each and every episode. We certainly appreciate the love. Thank you for liking, sharing, talking about us at the water cooler. I keep mentioning the water cooler. Is that still a thing? I don't think so. No, everybody has their own water bottles. So shouts out to all the people who still do go to the water cooler. But nonetheless, welcome aboard. We have a fun episode for you as we have a lot to get into. And I'll tell you about that in just a second. But first, let me tell you this. There are ways that you can be interactive with the podcast and be a part of the show. And beyond that, be a part of the community. And you can do so starting by giving us a call 24 hours a day with any comments, questions, suggestions, requests. 832-941-6614. 832-941-6614. That is the way to get involved and leave a message and you might end up on the very next podcast. In addition to that, you can join us on the Facebook group, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group. You can like the fan page. We post there. Somebody posts every single day. I post poll questions from time to time and it's just very interactive. So if you have a team, a comment, if you want to jump in on some of these controversial topics, that's the place to do it. The Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook. And finally, you can follow me on Twitter at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. Now, this time out, it's all about the Astros. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Astros with Mr. Baseball. He's going to join us, James Montgomery. He's going to talk about the game. He just left the game a couple of hours ago. We're going to hear from him. In addition to that, our guy from the special teams unit, Reggie Brown, he's going to check in. He went to Alabama State. He, like myself, we're both friends of Eddie Robinson, junior head coach of Alabama State. He was in Alabama, in Montgomery, Alabama. He was in Montgomery for that little dust-up between Coach 
Coach Prime and Eddie Robinson Jr. So we have that conversation coming up. And we're going to talk some NFL. We have our DJ, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy on the mix. We have a Lamont Award and a whole lot more. So let's get right into it. We're going to skip the headlines because the only headline that's important is that the Astros are leading in their divisional series against the Seattle Mariners two games to zero. We had a chance to talk about it. What a great couple of games. I am so pumped up. Hopefully you are as excited. Let's check out our conversation with Mr. Baseball James Montgomery. Our guy, Mr. Baseball, just leaving downtown Minute Maid Park. What an exciting couple of uh, games in the divisional series for the Houston Astros. Before we get into the games themselves, let's talk a little bit about the atmosphere. What has it been like on Tuesday and now today to be in that ballpark for such huge games? Uh, Devin, I, the as many sports as I've covered over the years, there's nothing like playoff baseball like that other than, say, a championship fight. And mostly on a heavyweight level, you know, not a welterweight to win those other fights. That's the only thing that I can think of an equivalency of what you have because you hang on every pitch. You hang on every moment. You hang on every situation. And in baseball, the situations change on every pitch and in every moment. So, you know, to have those kind of crowds, and and I have to just tip my hat. You know, I've been, I don't want to say how many years, you know, uh, covering the Astros uh, and in stadiums going all the way back to the Astrodome. But I can tell you, when you're in that Minute Maid crowd and that crowd gets into that game and, and it's like that, it's like... Uh, not many other stadiums in many sports, and I'm talking about football. Uh, I would say uh, Kansas City's park is equivalent to that. And on the baseball level, you could get that probably uh, in Boston sometimes and, and uh, you know, that kind of crowd. So it's just some, it's electric, and you can just feel it. It's, you know, when you talk to the players, they feel it. And when you can feel that type of emotion and you can feel that type of people that are just pulling for you and want you to do well, it's an exciting thing. I can tell anyone if you have the privilege to do it and get in one of these playoff baseball games, especially in, in a city like Houston, you'll remember it for the rest of your life. I tell you what, man, a couple of great comebacks, including today. It's been all about your Dan Alvarez, your daddy. Talk a little bit about him. Seven of the 11 RBIs in this series for the Astros have come at his bat. Uh, talk a little bit about him over the last couple of days, including the game winner last time and then the one that gives the team the lead this afternoon. Talk a little bit about what you've seen from this guy. Well, I've always said as a as a heartfelt statement that big-time players show up in big-time games in big-time moments, and that's that kind of describes them. What we saw yesterday was just something – if you're not 30, you know, you and I are 34 years old, but older. <laughs> but if you're not 34 years old, you don't even remember. Jordan Alvarez was uh, was the hero in game one after he hit that historic walk-off three-run homer. Now, Alvarez is just the second player to hit a walk-off homer in Major League Baseball history with their team down to its final out. The last guy to do it was Kirk Gibson. 
He did it for the Dodgers uh, against Oakland in game one of the 1988 World Series. This is something that you just don't see. So if you were one of those 41,000, it probably definitely, you know, in two or three years, it'll be 55,000 people that say they was there and they saw it <laughs> <laughs> as legends go. But he is just that kind of guy. And today was another example of it because Scott Service, who, you know, is an old school kind of guy and a manager, he gave him the Barry Bonds treatment. He just said, we're going to walk him because I don't like the matchup. He's got his best guy out there. I mean, when you talk about uh, Munoz, Munoz is the real thing. He throws a hundred. He can spot it. He is one of the best in the league. But he didn't like the matchup because he know your nine is just hot right now. And when hitters get hot like that, in fact, in the press conference, it was mentioned that, you know, they haven't seen such respect since Barry Bonds. And that says a lot. They asked Jordan, he smiled about it. He loved the respect. But when you have a manager that says, I'm going to walk him, even though first base is occupied, and I'm going to put a, a runner in scoring position because I don't like the matchup. I'd rather go at Bregman. And he went at Bregman, and Bregman is the kind of guy that, uh, you know, he has that type of attitude. That's the kind of guy he is. It's like he won't say it, but he's the kind of guy to say, I dare you walk him to get to me. <laughs> and 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 he you know and they did they 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 said I'd like that challenge because and we saw the years where they say I ain't gonna let Barry beat us we'll walk Barry but can't beat you so when you have those type of guys in your lineup you know it it speaks for itself and uh, it spoke again today Devin well they uh, got to Verlander Tuesday and you know that he's gonna rebound from that and then Framber I mean today the Astros had seven walks and yet they still were able able to keep uh, the, the Mariners off the board and really uh, keeping uh, them from having those big innings. Talk a little bit about how they were able to do that and get around walking a lot of Mariners this afternoon. Devin, what people don't realize and what most of Major League Baseball don't realize is that the Astros pitching, they're underrated. People don't really realize how good they really are. Let me give you this. The Astros pitching staff won the Triple Crown. And for those that don't know what the Triple Crown is, because we always talk about the Triple Crown on an offensive side, but the Triple Crown in pitching is, of course, your wins. The Astros won 106 games. The ERA, the staff ERA was 2.90. And the, the strikeouts, the Astros struck out 1,524 batters. So what they did, basically, that's the lowest ERA, This two, that 2.90. The 2.95 was it of all American League rotations. That's everybody in the American League. And the bullpen ERA of 2.80 was the lowest in the major leagues. That includes the National League. That's number one. It was an example of today. They kind of got the Famber a little bit. He went five and two-thirds. He gave up four hits, two runs. On one of them was earned. He struck. He walked three. He struck out six. The next guys that came in, which is Neris, Abreu, Montero, and Presley, they didn't give up a hit or a run. So 
the bullpen is the kind of bullpen that can pitch around people they need to pitch around. But when they have to go at people, they can go at them. And they're confident enough that, as they say, that the guys can make plays behind them. And that's how they, you know, are successful the way they are. It's just a, it's a team effort. And yet those guys don't get the credit that they deserve because, you know, people still like, you know, as they say, people like home runs. And, you know, we were able to do that today, too, starting with Tucker and, you know, finishing with your dot. Let's talk a little bit about an unsung hero in this situation, a guy who who really made it possible for Alvarez to have the opportunities. I'm talking about Jeremy Pena. I mean, the rookie, he's doing work. He got the big base hit before Jordan in uh, game one. Again, he did work this afternoon. Talk a little bit about his contributions. He scored the run in the eighth, uh, bottom of the eighth inning. Talk a little bit about his contributions during the series. You can't speak enough of this rookie. I mean, he's a rookie, folks, and you can't speak enough of his contribution. He's been solid in the field defensively. He's getting better and better every day, and he's a rookie. He works well with Altuve. He's a hard worker. He's a good kid. But when Uncle Mike, when Brantley went down, it really put pressure on the lineup because you lost your number three hitter, who is one of the top number three hitters in the league. So Dusty had to find a way. It just shows you the brilliance of him and how he would put a guy there and 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 even if he struggles a little bit, give him the confidence that he can get it done. He put him in number two. Altuve really for these first two games is not hitting. He was 0 for 4 today. But the guy that has won these two games, everyone says, is Alvarez, but it's really been Jeremy Pena because Pena has been able to get on base in crucial times in both of these games in order to get to your nine. And you can't talk about how important that is. I was looking at yesterday's game, and I said to myself, you know what, this is set up for Altuve. Altuve usually comes up in the ninth inning, and he usually breaks your heart. But when Altuve struck out, it put two-out pressure on Pena, and Pena came through and got a hit. Jordan sent everybody home happy. Today, pretty much the same thing. You know, Pena came up and got a hit. Alvarez hit the opposite field home run, you know, put put him in the lead. And in the, you know, the insurance run in, in the eighth, once again, Pena got the key walk. He battled Munoz, which, I mean, that was a heck of a battle for a young kid to just stay in there and foul off and foul off and foul off and actually walk. And then that made him intentionally walk Jordan, which – Bregman sent everybody, you know, with the insurance run home. So, yes, Jeremy Pena has been a big part of what this uh, this team has uh, won. He had big shoes to fill because Carlos Correa, of course, uh, was a good playoff uh, guy himself that gave us a lot of great moments and a lot of good wins. But for this kid to step up and assume that role, I tip my hat to him and I tell him every day, you know, I'm proud of him and he's only going to get better and better. Now the series moves to Seattle. Uh, the Astros only need one more game. How do you see things moving forward? Can they close it out Saturday? Do you see <laughs> Seattle having any fight? I mean, obviously they're a quality team, but they just have been owned by the Astros. Talk a little bit about what you see moving forward. I see going over to something you're familiar with, Frenchies. <laughs> uh, get about get about 15 of those three-piece campus specials, you know. And, and go down to Southwest Airlines and buy about four seats because you need about that much room. 
and send the fat lady because she going to sing in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that, that's what I see. So because, you know, people like analytics, you know, and I just laugh because, you know, we old school guys, we laugh at analytics. They say, oh, well, the analytics say it's 65% chance. And they go like, yeah, the analytics, what I should also tell you is 35% chance also that it don't work. But the things, the things about the analytics of what the situation is right now is that there are only three games left to determine who moves on, and the Mariners need all three of them, okay? So I can't break it down any plainer than that. They, I'll tip my hat to them and anybody that can beat this Astro team three more times in a row. Well, final question so, before we let you get out of here. You've covered and attended thousands of baseball games, literally thousands of games. Yes, where does yesterday, yes. where does Tuesday's home run, walk-off home run rank for you personally and being in attendance for such a historic event? If you're talking about personally, then I have to move this to uh, second. If you're talking about personally, and I'm just talking about not things, of course, that I've seen on television. I'm just talking about games that I was actually, you know, there uh, in in the stadium. I, I, I move this up to second. The only thing that I put ahead of what Jordan did, as I say, because it hadn't been done since Kirk Gibson did it 34 years ago, would be uh, Barry Bonds' home run in the dome that... Uh, gave him I, I want to say 69 or 70 that night and to just see that you know and to, to, to be a part of that I, I I can see how uh you know it, it would be exciting but yeah it it falls right there I mean it pushes a whole lot of no hitters uh aside it pushes I mean just some great other events that that I've seen and that have happened but it's right there I mean as they say when you're down to your last out and you're down a couple of runs and you're in a playoff atmosphere where this is something the Astros you know we're spoiled because we've won so many uh division series and 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 have been you know the guy that everyone else has uh ha ha had to be uh, you know it, that was just a great moment so it, it, it's right there behind Barry Bonds's uh swing for glory well next up I and mean, obviously we got the the work cut out for us uh well, the Astros had their work cut out for them having to, to finish off this series we're gonna assume that the Astros will move forward who do you think they'll face uh in the next round in the ALCS well, I'm pulling for the Yankees because, you know, I love to whip them fat mouth, wide mouth <laughs> Yankees. I just love that. You talk about what gets Mr. Baseball excited because I sit there and, I, you know, I can just – I've seen so many games. I kind of like, you know, it, it's almost like I'm not excited, but I really am inside. But uh, I'm pulling for those wide mouth Yankees, you know, because <laughs> they're the ones that always had a reputation. They're the ones that always run their mouth. They're the ones that everyone loves, you know, and everyone adores, and they get all of the publicity and the best times. And, you know, I mean, because of their tradition and their history, but the Astros have been spanking their behind real good over these last seven or eight years. No question. <laughs> so I'm pulling for them. So, but, uh, you know, if Cle I expect Cleveland to give them a better series than, than people think. I'd be surprised if ours will 
the Astros have a good chance because of the pitching situation now, how it's set up for Seattle to really end this thing in, in, in three, no more than four. But I'm looking for Cleveland and probably to win a game, if not two, from the Yankees because the Yankees pitching staff is not that uh, of something that I think will hold down the Indians, you know, uh, much, you know, through the next couple of games. So I expect to see the Yankees. I'm hoping and pulling for the Yankees because <laughs> I would love if it's two people that I would love to to beat. Uh, this year would be the Yankees and the Dodgers. Yeah, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, we certainly appreciate it, man. Keep popping champagne and do- enjoying the post-game festivities. But we certainly appreciate you taking our time to talk about those Astros that- this afternoon. Devin, it's always a pleasure. You know, they don't call me Mr. Baseball for nothing. We talking baseball. You, you talk. You talking about me? I, I, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Go we- Astros. For more content, go to WaveWordProductions.com. Certainly appreciate Mr. Baseball checking in. He's just leaving the ballpark, enjoying the post-game festivities wherever he's having those. Yes, yeah, certainly appreciate that. Going to take a brief time out, come back on the other side. We have our conversation with Reggie Brown, our resident DJ, a Lamont Award, and a whole lot more. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. We're a week away from the start of the NBA season, and I may not get a podcast on before the tip, so I'll say... I am going with, oh boy, I don't know. Let's go, let's go Golden State, Milwaukee in the finals. I mean, I know it's like months and like eight months from now, but yeah, that's what we're going with. But there's trouble in paradise in Golden State. Obviously, you uh, may know, I'm sure you know by now, that Draymond Green took a leave of absence. He since returned, had a little press conference today, and he was gone because he knocked the hell out of Jordan Poole, his teammate, in practice. Over, it cannot be basketball-related. You don't hit somebody that cleanly, that hard, with that much sting on your punch if it's just basketball-related. I I refuse to believe that. I don't know what it was about. And the press conference was really, 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 uh, let's see. He distanced himself in a way that I've never quite seen. He basically said, hey, we have good team camaraderie, and, yeah, the team will be held together. I mean, again, I only heard heard snippets, so I didn't see the whole thing. But he was really like, yeah, we're going to, yeah, we'll get through this. 
Like he was the team captain that wasn't the one that knocked out of Jordan Poole. Like, like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna rally the troops around this. Like you ain't the dude that did the. Like you ain't the guy that actually committed the assault on your teammate. But I'll say this. There are always skirmishes and fights in locker rooms and, and practices and other stuff like that. I mean, it just happens. The severity of what Draymond, the scrutiny, the severity of the scrutiny he's getting is because it was a good punch. Not just that he punched him, but it was a good punch. It was a, a, a clean punch. It was a highlight punch. It was like, like this is on your highlight reel of knockouts. It's on that. This was world star good. I mean, this was, this was, oh man, he clocked this guy. And it's just not a good look when you win that decisively. One punch knockouts. Now Jordan Poole pushed him up off of him. But I know in that setting, he didn't think his teammate was going to clock him the way he did. He was wrong for that. You don't have to hit that man like that. You, you didn't have to hit that man like that. So whatever's going on, it can't be about basketball. You just don't do that to someone over basketball. And maybe and I know they're saying that, oh, Draymond starts fading and Jordan Poole's the next guy to really get paid. And they're going to pay Jordan Poole at the expense of Draymond Green. It has to be something like that. He had to have a bad dream about Jordan Poole to knock the hell out of him like he did. That was mean-spirited. He looked like Akeem Olajuwon before he took his pilgrimage to Mecca. Because Akeem Olajuwon used to put hands on some folks. This is a clean one-hitter-quitter, and Draymond is out of line for that. Also, before I move forward, they, uh, SWAC has issued a statement. They're still investigating the fight. That was a fight. That was a fight. <laughs> a fight between Southern and Prairie View. They're still trying to in identify all the parties involved and work on new security measures. So that kind of thing doesn't happen. And I will say this, the disagreement, the, the optics of the Eddie Robinson coach prime disagreement has overshadowed all of that. Cause that was a bad look. And I'm glad that that's not getting much national oxygen. Cause that's not what you want in a conference. That's really trying to get bigger and have a higher profile. I mean, I get it. Football is, I mean, it's some alpha male stuff going on, but yeah, we got to clean that up. It cannot go as far as it did. So with that, going to take one more time out, come back on the other side. We're going to hear from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy and our sponsor, Cobank Homes. Come back with the special teams unit with a this or that segment with Reggie and a Lamont Award. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway. You get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Get it, you got me, 
tribe called quest and i haven't checked lately but i think i am still blocked by q-tip i don't understand why i don't understand what i did i'm a fan hello i'm a fan a couple years ago i had people sort of reach out to him and say what did d-wade do to you why am i blocked i haven't checked but i'm blocked on twitter unblock me q-tip this your boy i left my wallet in el segundo man anyway revisiting some of my trauma but nonetheless if you have music you want heard on the podcast just email us music at wadeswordproductions.com music at wadeswordproductions.com if you're a dj a fledgling artist the genre doesn't matter just email us and we will expose your music to the masses that tune in to this podcast so that's a thing. Music at wagewordproductions.com. So, going to get into our conversation with Reggie Brown. And again, I just want you guys to know Reggie is one of Eddie Robinson Jr.'s closest friends. He's his boy, been his, his boy's teammate since they were in school together. So, again, when we have these discussions, understand I'm rolling with Eddie, and I'm sure Reggie is rolling with Eddie in this, uh, what has turned out to be a very, very controversial kind of thing. And it has people taking sides. And I will tell you this again, let me go back to this. This is uh, the equivalent of Frazier and Ali. Ali did a lot of things to quote unquote sell a fight that were really damaging and personal. Now, I'm not going to say that, that Coach Prime did anything personal to Eddie Robinson, but, uh, you know, if you slight my university, if you slight my conference, if you slight the way things are done, it's easy to take that kind of thing personal. I see a lot of people, and a lot of people are sending me things, and, and really, <laughs> hey, what, what do you think I'm going to do? What You think I'm not going to respond to some of these things because I feel a certain way. Now, again, you can handle, you could talk about the way things were handled. I don't think that you can decide if somebody is offended or not, or should be offended or not. If you really don't understand the context. So you got a lot of people who saw the clip who really don't understand the context of anything that happened before, during, after, that situation but anyway we'll talk about that and some nfl stuff and more here is reggie brown our 
guy from the special teams unit, Reggie Brown, is in the building. Man, it's been a tremendously busy time. You got baseball, basketball is about to start, NFL, and of course, your alma mater. But let's start with Alabama State. You were there for homecoming last week, and by now, the world knows about the, the post game. A little dust up. I, I think it's really been blown out of proportion, but let's start with how was homecoming, first and foremost? Hey, it's the best homecoming on earth. I mean, the atmosphere was electric. You had people coming back from all over. Alabama State is one of those places that's in the South. But a lot of our older alumni are in Detroit, Chicago, Miami, all over. And so it's always good when they get to come back to Alabama State and celebrate homecoming. So usually the homecoming does well for every school, but it's especially kind of exciting with the, the new regime with Eddie Robinson, one of their own being at the helm as head coach. How much energy did that bring to homecoming? I mean, to say it politely, Eddie Robinson is swank. Eddie Robinson is Alabama State University. Uh, he played there. He's given his money, his time his blood, sweat, and tears to that university. And we have a university that's totally behind him, and he's doing a lot of great things, and he's going to continue to do that. Well, you went to the statement, the I am swack, and, of course, that was a part of the, the situation where Dion went in for a bro hug and was rebuffed by Eddie. And since then, that's been really all everybody has been talking about. How do you feel about it? How did you see it from your perspective? Well, I think that, you know, Eddie is going to be a class guy. He stated all of the things that Dion did during the week and then during the game. And, you know, throwing a bomb with 40 seconds left is just not what the swank is about, especially when the game is already in Jackson State's hand. They win the game. You win with class, you lose with class. And um, Eddie is such a class guy. And so, for him, being the type of guy he is, going to always be respectful, but he's certainly not going to give you a hug when you've been so disrespectful. And then secondly, I think when Eddie makes those statements, he's speaking from his heart. He's speaking from the many, many years of blood, sweat, and tears in the conference, and it just simply is what it is. And, you know, while, like Eddie, I agree that Dion has did some things to promote the swag, he is not swag. Dion tried to leave last year. He interviewed for a head coaching job last year. And so to say that he is swag and he wants to be in the swag is just totally disingenuous. Certainly he's doing a good job while he's there, and I don't begrudge him for that, but he's not swag. He hasn't rode a bus to a game. He doesn't know what it is to struggle and toil as a student athlete, as a coach, to go through all of those things. He brings with him a boatload of money that most coaches have to fight for and beg for and do all of these things. So while he's done many great things, and I, I want to reiterate that, that he's done some great things. He is not swag. So Eddie let, Robinson is swag. And let's, let me ask you about your experiences. Because, you I mean, you really touched on all of those things. But talk a little bit about what – I mean, because it's in you, too. I mean, obviously, you're Alabama State, but you're swag, too. And, and even when you guys were in the NFL, I would see swag guys address other swag guys by, hey, what's up, swag? It's almost like yeah. a, a family kind of feel. Explain to people how it feels to come out of the Southwestern Athletic Conference and be of the swag. Well, I, I'll just tell you a quick story. Um, when I was a rookie, um, and there's a preseason game, and we were playing the Oakland Raiders and Texas Southern, Alonzo uh, White, a defensive end from Texas Southern, okay. was 
uh, with the Raiders. And um, he made a play, and I went back to the huddle, and the offensive line was saying, we gonna, you know, we going to get him on the next play. And on the next play, we ran the play, and I ran by him. I said, hey, Swack, be careful. They after you now. And that's what the swag is all about. We take care of our own. We support each other. We all know the struggle. We all know what it takes to persevere through that. And when you make it to the league, you see such a, a small fraternity of, of swag athletes that, that are able to make it there. And you're going to support them. I worked out with Ashley Ambrose. I worked out with Aeneas Williams during my time because these were swag guys. And uh, when I was in the league, you know, they would be talking about Michigan State and Ohio State and Miami. And I would tell them it ain't nothing like the swag. And that's it. So when you see Eddie go out and say the sort of things that he says, what does that do to rally the troops at Alabama State? What does that do for the alumni? Have you heard from fellow Alabama State folks and, and what they've said since uh, the incident? Well, man, my phone has certainly been ringing off the hook and uh, talking to the alumni and classmates and everybody is just so proud of Eddie, the way that he comported himself during that whole situation, the way he's handled it and um, with the class that he always handles things with, but also with the fury that totally believes in the SWAC conference and what it takes to be a member of the SWAC. And then uh, I would further tell you that it's a rallying cry for all HBCUs and all SWAT because there's a price to pay to be in the SWAT. There's some things that you go through. And to have someone come in and be there a year and a half and claim that he's SWAT and this is how you go about being SWAT is just not going to fly. Well, and we call it uh, getting your swag hours because obviously, yes, like I say, you got to get those yes, swag sir. hours. You got to you got to go through it. You got to know what it's about. So you, you see, kind of Jackson State and Dion having fun with the idea of who's swag, I'm swag, and and all of those things. What what are your thoughts on and you know how he's sort of playing this up and kind of sort of uh, trivializing something like that. Well, I think it is who prime time is, and again, I don't begrudge him as Eddie said. Everybody grew up wanting to be primetime. He's a phenomenal athlete, a phenomenal character. And so certainly I don't want to say anything to diminish his accomplishments and who he is as a person and what he does. So I want to be clear about that. But I also want to say that a part of his demeanor is he's a self-promoter. And this is just another function of him promoting himself and to some degree trying to make himself bigger than the swag. I mean, where do you get off being in the swag a year and a half, never played the swag probably prior to becoming the head coach at Jackson State, never even came to a swag game, and then going to say you're swag? That's just crazy. So, and, and the last thing on this, because I do want to get into some NFL stuff, I think that People tried to say that, you know, Eddie was a sore loser and he should have took the L. I mean, I tried to explain it, you know, that that's, you know, Eddie's a first-year coach. He knows that the cabinet is not stocked full. He's he's in his rookie season as a head coach. He knows that, that he has work to be done to build this program the way he wants it done. Talk a little bit about the fact that or, or to those people who are saying, oh, yeah, he's just a sore loser. Well, I think that there are a couple of things. One, you don't know Eddie Robinson if you say you're, he's a sore loser. Um, that's just not in his DNA. And then number two, if you coach, 
you're going to lose games. If you play this game, you're going to lose. And that just becomes a part of it. And certainly nobody wants to experience that, but that's just a part of the game. What Eddie's position was, and I totally agree, is you can lose with class, you can win with class. And Dion just did not win with class, and he's just not going to accept that. It'll be a, a, a lot um, more said about this. And again, if he stays, it'll be a really, really interesting game next season uh, as Alabama State will travel to Jackson State. They do the home and home. They alternate years like they do in the conference. Both are on the eastern side of things, the eastern division of the SWAC. So we'll, you know, we'll have to see about uh, how this goes moving forward. But I know for sure Alabama State uh, folks are swarming as one after some of those uh, fiery statements by Eddie. Most definitely. And I hope Dion is there. Like Eddie said, I think he's really, really good for the SWAC. And, you know, if he stays long enough, he may get some SWAC hours. But I suggest next year he'll be saying, I'm Mountain West or I am SEC Kentucky or some crazy because he's he's not vested in SWAC. And he's looking for the first train out of there, if you ask me. Well, let's get to the NFL and let's talk a little bit about your Miami Dolphins. Let's touch on them. Obviously, a lot going on there with Tua. Is un- he's unlikely to play. Bridgewater's likely out. What's the status of the quarterback situation in Miami going into this weekend? Well, Skylar Thompson is going to start and uh, Teddy will be his backup. I think that the NFL sometimes you have the best intentions but they turn out to have consequences to them and teddy by all accounts did not have any concussion in fact they cleared him of the concussion on the sideline in the first quarter of that football game and then the fact that now he has to stay in the concussion protocol even though he didn't have a concussion during the game hasn't had one all week and was just cleared to practice today limited on Thursday has put the Dolphins in a serious situation. But I think that one of the things uh, about the Dolphins under Mike McDaniel is they're really using this as a rallying cry. And I think that uh, Gary Thomas showed some promise during the offseason and we'll have to see how it translates. You know, it's the NFL and on any given Sunday, they could get a win. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see how the team performs under this type of adversity. Do you think the NFL is overreacting? I mean, have they, they've gone the other way on the concussion thing? Have they gone too far the other way on, on the concussion protocol? Well, I think that, as I said, I think that the intentions are right. You don't want to click to get concussions and come back in the game, although that did not happen with the Dolphins. They overreacted to the first hit, and then they overreacted to the next concussion. So it's just caused this continuous overreaction. But I think their heart is in the right place. Certainly concussions are serious, and their long-term effects of them are very serious. And so you want to protect the players and protect their long-term health. But football is a dangerous game. And if you're going to be talking about uh, protecting players in football, you might as well go ahead and give them uh, snatch rags, a flag football, because it's <laughs> this game and uh, players know this and they go into it. I certainly gave two knees to the game, a nose, a broke hand, all of these things, and you accept that as a football player. But the football is going to change the way we know it. Because think about this. 
and think of what position it's going to put the NFL in. What if Patrick Mahomes is injured in the first game of the playoffs? Are they going to say, you know, somebody sees him stumble? Are they going to say he's done for the, the playoffs or done for the Super Bowl? You know, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. And a lot of times these things come back to money. And I fully expect that they will alter these rules because you can't have players not injured at all like Teddy Bridgewater was and then not playing the game. That just can't happen. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, probably over the offseason they'll have a more appropriate response to this. And and obviously I think if it hadn't been such a graphic situation and had the, the circumstances been different, I think Tua would have been back for this week. But obviously with what looked like a, a concussion the first time and then what was definitely a concussion on the Thursday night game. I think that they had to be overly cautious with that situation. Well, you know, they're going to protect the shield and they're going to make sure that they're giving the appearance that they're taking care of players. And the word appearance is probably not fair to them. I think they are trying to take care of the players, but uh, it was just a, a overreaction that did not need to be. Well, let's talk about other things around the NFL. Your segment is normally you can't trust them. But we, uh, we're we going to do something different this time out. We're going to give you a choice in a segment that we call This or That. The choice is yours. You can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this or you can get with that. In the This or That segment, I will give you two choices and you tell me which one you are going to roll with. Let's talk a little bit about last year's Super Bowl matchup. The Rams and the Bengals, both teams are struggling two and three. Which team is more likely to right the ship? This or that, Rams or Bengals? Well, I'm going to go with that and say the Bengals. And, and well, the reason I say it is because the Bengals still have those three very good receivers. They're solid on defense. I think the Rams are searching for an identity. You don't have OBJ. Cam Akers is not running like he ran last year. Certainly they still have a staunch defense, but in this league, offense wins championships uh, to some degree, at least gets you to the championship. And so with the Bengals having the better offense, I'm going to go with them. What do you think? It seems like people have figured out a little bit of what Cincinnati likes to do. Both teams are struggling more offensively. Uh, what I mean, first of all, that offensive line, they spent a lot of money on it, and they're not producing. What's your take on just that entire Cincinnati Bengals offense? Well, I think that one of the things that that offense was really predicated on was being able to run Joe Mixon. And so when you totally shut down the running game and have to solely – rely on the passing game then defenses can play to that and they become they've made cincinnati one-dimensional i think that if they can get the running game going back then then all of a sudden you become a two-dimensional team three-dimensional with play action and then it'll get going but they got to get that running game going well let's go to the next one up now the game of the year a rematch of the divisional playoff round in the AFC probably the I mean it blew me away the matchup between the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs last year just an unbelievable finish to that game they have the game what people are saying is the game of the year coming up on Sunday this or that do you have the Bills or the Chiefs well I'm gonna go with this I I think that uh, the Bills want this game more 
And I think Kansas City is a Super Bowl or bust kind of team. And they'll come out and they'll play hard and they'll try to win. But I think that ultimately Buffalo will win just because they want to beat Kansas City. They got to prove something to them that they can beat them. And so I think it'll mean a little bit more to them. Ultimately, I see Kansas City as a team, whether it's 10 and 6 and sliding in the playoffs or 13 and 4 and get in comfortably, their eyes are set on Super Bowl, not beating the Buffalo Bills. And I think the Buffalo Bills are set on beating Kansas City. Man, when Kansas City is rolling offensively, man, they just look so unstoppable and they make it look so, so easy. Uh, yeah, but you're right. Like I said, the Bills, they have to prove it to themselves. It'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Kansas City. They just, they looking too good. Uh, and obviously, when you let a tight end like Travis Kelsey catch four touchdowns like the uh, the Raiders did, it's going to get easy for you. But, yeah, it'll be a great matchup. I look forward to that. Finally, in this or that, the other matchup of the year, and we'll see this twice this year. So, I mean, this is the surprising sort of game of the week contender, Philadelphia and Dallas. This or that, who do you have in this big matchup? I got Philadelphia. I think that Jalen Hurts securely plants himself as a MVP candidate. And again, I think that this game means a lot more to them. They want to beat the Dallas Cowboys first. Certainly Super Bowl is important to them. But before you can start thinking about that, you got to beat the teams in your division. They're on a roll. They're playing well on all phases of the game. And so for that reason, I think Philadelphia is going to win. Well, I'll tell you what, the interesting matchup in that one is the Dallas defense versus that Philadelphia offensive line. They have really done a great job of uh, protecting Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts is, I mean, if he's not the MVP, he has to be an MVP candidate at this point. Obviously, we're really, really early in the season, but he's played fantastic. And that offensive line has made it easy for him by providing time what do you think of that matchup, the, the uh, Dallas defense versus that Philadelphia offensive line? Well, I think Dallas front four with Michael Parson really gets after it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do in trying to uh, spy Jalen Hurst. He does such a great job of taking what the defense gives them. You know, he's not a Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick or Vince Young type of runner where he's going to take it to the house but he's going to get those 10 or 15 yards, you know, that just break the back of a defense. So it'll be interesting to see how they play him. Do they spy? Do they, you know, go cover one and have eight people in the box and let those corners play one-on-one, which the corners are playing, you know, fairly decent. So I think it'll be a chess match in terms of what they do to try to um, slow him down. Yeah, you talk about that matchup between, what, A.J. Brown and and Devontae Smith and that secondary, uh, Trayvon Diggs and company. It's going to be a great game. It's surprising that both teams have had so much success. But before I let you go, I have to ask you about this this perceived quarterback controversy in Dallas with Dak being injured, Cooper Rush rolling with the Dallas Cowboys. And now, you know, you're seeing hints or hearing hints and the media sort of playing up. And Jerry Jones certainly didn't help saying, that, oh, when will Dak get his job back? Uh, I don't know. Will he get his job back? That's how Dak got the job in the first place, replacing an injured Tony Romo. What are your thoughts on this perceived uh, quarterback controversy? 
cash rule everything around me. They're not going to sit that $40 million quarterback on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think they may have a quick leash, and uh, I think that if he doesn't come and play well, you know, they may go back to him. But, you know, it used to be a thing in the NFL, and it's it's not the same as it used to be, but you don't lose your job to injury. And so, you know, with these younger coaches, I think that's kind of going away. But with Mike McCarthy being an older coach, he may, and the money, that probably will be the starter. But it's good to have two good ones, and you know you can win with your backup. Yeah, well, like I said, I don't think it's much of a controversy. I think it's fun to talk about for folks who want to talk about the Cowboys. I certainly don't want to spend a lot of time, but you ha- you can't ignore them the way they are playing. So we certainly appreciate the time, man. Thanks for your candid comments on a, a really, really wild situation in Montgomery over the weekend. Looking forward to the rest of the season and the swag. Of course, we got a week off, so I'm going to enjoy that. And then I'll be in Jackson. Well, I'll be in Lorman, Mississippi next weekend as we take on the Alcorn State Braves. So, yes, there's a lot of great stuff happening in the swag, and we'll be keeping up with that throughout the year. We certainly appreciate your time. Hey, man, let me say this for the record. You are swag. You paid your dues. You got your swag hours. <laughs> yes, I do. Thanks so much, man, and we certainly appreciate it. All right. To have your comments heard, call 832-941- Six six one four. Want to thank Reggie as always, especially for his candor on a topic that could be a little touchy, but uh, sometimes you got to say it with your chest, and uh, Reggie always does that. So before we get into the Lamont Award, the, the linebacker he was referring to was Alberto White, played with Strahan on those TSU teams, really great defensive teams back in the day. So uh, that was uh, who he was referring to a little bit earlier. With that, it's time for. The Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. So we open up by talking about the Astros. Unfortunately, I have to stick with the Astro theme for the Lamont Award because pitcher Phil Maton was left off the playoff roster for the Astros in what looked like an eyebrow-raising move. Like, why is he not on the roster? I was until, until it was revealed that Maton broke a finger on his pitching hand. But then it got worse because then we found out it was self-inflicted. Yeah, he did it to himself. Seems as if after giving up two hits and two runs in the Astros' regular season finale, Phil was so pissed that he punched the locker, breaking his finger, and essentially punching out an opportunity for playoff redemption. Poor Phil. Poor Astros, really. But poor Phil, because for the season, he had a career-high 67 appearances and a career-best 3.84 ERA. And now he's done. And they could come back to haunt the Astros. But, man, we've already lost Michael. Well, I say we. Because, again, if you win a championship in Houston, I get to say we. That's my out clause. So, yeah, we're going to miss him and Michael Brantley, of course. And health is wealth, especially in the playoffs. But let me tell you this. So you got frustrated. And believe me, I understand. Because I get angry at losing, too. And I get angry when I do something stupid or get outsmarted. And I'm not saying, I'm, you know, that doesn't happen. But the game of chess has done this to me. 
And I got frustrated, so frustrated after a loss that I once broke a keyboard after losing a game online. I just, bam, I smashed it. Stupid of me. Really, really stupid of me. But guess what? I'm not in Major League Chess. I'm not, I'm not trying to make the Major League Chess playoff roster. So what I do with my home, it really doesn't cost me money. I mean, marginally. I guess I ordered another keyboard. It cost me a few dollars, and I went a day or two without being able to use my computer. But, yeah, that was, was stupid on my part. And it was really stupid for you to do that and really cost yourself a chance at redemption. And I'm sure you get a playoff share and you'll get a ring if we get a ring and all of that stuff. But, boy, that is not a good luck because when they needed you, you weren't there because you should have watched the movie Steel Magnolias. You don't hit a locker. You take a whack of Weezer, okay, for the three people who understand their reference, or swing at Jordan Poole. Other than that, if you swing at a locker, the locker wins, the Astros lose, and you definitely lose because you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I get it. It's a frustrating thing. You didn't perform up to your capability, and uh, the fella has learned a valuable lesson from this. And maybe that's a teachable moment for players all over. But it's hard not when you want it so bad and you can't get it done. You just want to kick yourself. And maybe he hung a pitch that he knows that he can throw, or maybe he went inside when he should have went outside, and he knew he should have went outside. Whatever the case may be, he lost his cool, and unfortunately, we lose him on the playoff roster. And again. I get to say we because of 2017. Thank you. I get to say we. With that, we will close it out. But before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, want to thank Mr. Baseball, James Montgomery, want to thank Rich Brown, want to thank DJ Anarchy, want to thank Kobank Holmes, want to thank Brighter Brains, want to thank all of you, want to remind you to join the Facebook group, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Facebook group. Hit me up on Twitter at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D, all one word. And of course, give us a call on the sports line. 832-941-6614, 832-941-6614. The website is down. I haven't mentioned that in a long time. I need some tech support in a major way, but until that happens, hey, it's down. But if you can't remember any of that, please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.